Welcome once again to the Ohio State of Mind, powered by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Once again, alongside Tyler Danberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. We've got a couple games to break down for you, mostly on the basketball side of things this week, and then several great series and games to break down for you going into the weekend. It's going to be an exciting weekend for Ohio State Athletics. Before we get started, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at State of Mind OSU. A link to our Twitter account is in the description below. Also, question of the day, which remaining conference opponent do you think will prove to be the biggest challenge for the number 16, current number 16, men's basketball team? So make sure you're filling that in. For those of you who listen on Spotify, check below our episode for the question of the day. Submit your answer to that question. Let's get right into the action on the hardwood. We had two games last night, the only two games, actually, between Monday through Thursday. So it was a very short week in terms of our outline here. Number 22 women's basketball hosted number seven Michigan in a rematch from an earlier game on December 31st that brought in the 2022 year. The Buckeyes dropped the rematch to the Wolverines 58 to 77. And I think if you look at the box score, Tyler, that's exactly indicative of what happened here. Sheldon had 15, Beecham had 14, Mike Sell had six. Ohio State just couldn't produce from the offensive side of things. Well, the Wolverines, they defended the three. And you live and you die by the three. And the Wolverines, they prepared for that. They planned for that. And they came out firing. They were too overwhelming for Ohio State. They've just had the Buckeyes number in this season series, finishing 2-0 and in regular season play. Nas Hillman had another big game for U of M. And I think that Tanea Beecham, she stepped up for Ohio State. You talk about a big game on a big stage. That's big in its own right, but OSU just didn't have enough offense to get the ball rolling, and they showed some signs of stride at some points in the game, just came up empty in the in the long haul. And that's something that we were concerned about going into this, is what happens when a bigger team comes in. You know Michigan's going to do their research. Not only is Ohio State their rival, but they're another ranked team. Michigan being number seven, they're going to take this one especially seriously. And you knew that when they go to their scouting report, three-point bomb is going to be on their on their chart for what Ohio State likes to do. And this was a little bit worrying to me to see how effectively Michigan was a, a able to shut down the three, but then how how uh, desperate the recovery was for Ohio State. I tried to pick a good word there, but how uh, empty the recovery came up. I'll say in that night. Now Ohio State still has what we're in end of January tournament, you know, they say March tournament, but it's really mid-March tournament. So they've got some time to figure out what happens when a team shuts down the three. How do we transition to that? What point? At what point do we give up trying to force it from beyond the arc? But when you're shooting 27% from the three-point line, you got to find something else to get back in it. Right. Just being adaptable, adjusting at halftime. And I think it showed. At some points in the second half, Ohio State they came out with a couple different looks on both sides of the ball. I think Michigan was just a little too dominant here. Leah Brown had 16 in addition to Hillman's 20, 13 for Maddie Nolan. They spread out the scoring. They did it really well. And I I would assume that Ohio State, they're going to look at this game and they're going to realize, well, a lot of teams, as Michigan set the stage for them, a lot of teams are going to prepare the same way Michigan did. So we're going to have to come out with a way to play an adjusted style of basketball that we're going to have to really bring our depth and put it into the forefront. And it's not going to be dictated 
by the three ball. Yeah, I mean, we know that teams more often than not they look at the at the top teams what to see what they're doing right. Why are you guys succeeding at such a high rate, right? But now to see how well Michigan shut down Ohio State, I think that's going to draw even more eyes, especially from Ohio State's Big Ten contenders uh, going forward in the schedule to see, wow, Ohio State was really off their game. Michigan really made them uncomfortable in their home arena. Why? How? And then try to replicate that. So Ohio State is going to have to change and quickly change to get away from relying so heavy on the three ball or at least find something else to spell the three point when it doesn't work. And the tail really of this game was in the field goal numbers. As you mentioned, Michigan had three players in double figures scoring, but they shot 49 from the f- 49% from the field. The Wolverines did compared to 37% for the Buckeyes. It was just an off night for Ohio state. Um, but nothing that I think will be indicative of their games going forward. I think Ohio state, they've been, they've been really good at bouncing back from losses when they've had them this season. I don't think this, uh, Losing streak will last for long. Well, they had that big six-game winning streak after a loss. So you have to assume that something good is going to come out of this. And I guess a positive takeaway from it is that I think the fans are starting to pick up on how good this team is. Hey, They came out with one of the best showings, if not the best showing in attendance last night or Thursday night. And they came out really supportive. And I think that's a critical, critical element of Ohio State season moving forward is the turnout. Getting students there, getting the fans there, that's a huge thing for the fan base. I think if I remember the attendance numbers right, it was a little over 4,200. So for women's basketball, that's, like you said, that's pretty good attendance numbers for them. So it was good to see people starting to feed in on how good this women's team is. The men's basketball team fared a little better against Minnesota. Number 16, Ohio State defeated the Minnesota Golden Gophers 72-64. Ohio State 40-26 won the paint point battle, 27-6 on the second chance points. Ohio State just dominated from especially inside. But Holtman, Chris Holtman, the head coach of Ohio State, secured his 100th win with the Buckeyes. And EJ Liddell scored his 1,000th point. Versus the Golden Gophers, he had 23 on the night. It was just an accolade night for Ohio State. A great win to get back to after playing IUPUI, having Nebraska canceled. This was a good one to get back to play with. Those are my two takeaways. Milestones and rebounds. Milestones, Holtman 100, 1,000 points for Liddell. First Ohio State win in the barn in Minneapolis since 2014. They've lost their last three straight until Thursday night. And then rebounds. Not only did they have 48 to Minnesota's 22, as you mentioned, and the second chance points, there were a plethora of them. But they had double the amount of offensive rebounds. Minnesota had total rebounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're starting to see every single game here with the men's basketball team. You're starting to see something else that takes the forefront. It was scoring at the beginning, specifically post-scoring. But now you see converting off the second chance. You see three points at some night. You see turnovers on some night. You see rebounding at, at tonight or last night especially. But I think that's what keeps Ohio State guessing and the men's team a little bit different than how you saw the women fare last night is you see Ohio State men's has a different changing plethora of skills each night they're not the same team every time they take the floor I think that's something the women's team can do but the men's team has just taken over that over the past couple a couple months of play you haven't been able to nail down 
what do, what do the men's do so well? What's the Achilles heel that we have to take care of? Because there's not one. Well, that has its pros and cons. If you look at the women's team and they play that same style of basketball game in and game out, you know that when they play at their best, you're going to get their best. Ohio State, I think playing the ever-changing route is perfect for their team and their roles, especially in a game last night where they didn't have Jamari Wheeler, but they returned the masked Michi Johnson Jr. But I think that's the better route to take. That's in my opinion, but... That also comes with a couple of flaws is that if you're not on your game, if you don't bring out what you wanted to bring out, things are going to falter. For example, that Wisconsin game in Madison is a perfect example of them not really coming out the way they wanted to when they got exposed quickly. But last night, Thursday night against Minnesota, it was strength v. strength, change after change, just meticulous detail attention by Chris Holtman, and it showed. The post play was great. The rebounding was great. And Ohio State shot the ball well. And Justin Arns hit a couple big shots. I think that's another key. Getting Arns back in the confidence realm. That's huge for Ohio State moving forward. Because he had really been cold as of the start of 2022. I don't know about you, but I got one heck of a Hannibal Lecter vibe from Michi's mask last night. Oh, yeah. That was, that's intimidating. Like, I know you, you see the, when Kyrie comes out and he's got like that black Jason Voorhees reminiscent one. <laughs> that's the one I remember, the, the, uh, old time Robin when you used to wear it. It's like, it's that classic yeah. superhero that just covers your eyes. But last night to see what plastic goggles and a, Pink almost looks like a COVID face mask or a medical face mask, like you should say. If I forget that these were used long before the time of COVID, too. But this this pink face mask with holes in it to breathe, it just looked intimidating. I wouldn't want to step out in a Minnesota uniform and, and see that warming up on the other side of the floor. Great Silence of the Lambs reference, and I I'd be intimidated if I were on the other side. I think there's this there's this certain love from basketball fans to a player, especially when a player who is already beloved and he comes out wearing a mask. You got your Rip Hamiltons, the mask LeBron, the mask Kyrie. Well, what about masked Michi? That's gonna that's probably you know what? That's probably gonna that, end up on a shirt that somewhere. That might stick, actually. That that mask Michi might stick. I I think. You know what? Even if his face heals, if he plays well, given the certain superstitious nature of the sport. You might as well strike while the iron is hot and keep wearing it. Maybe the mask will become a staple like uh, Kareem's goggles. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Getting into our weekend here, Ohio State swimming and diving as Michigan at home on Friday, January 28th at 3 p.m. That's at the McCorkle Aquatic Pavilion in Columbus. Track and field is at the Rod McCravey Memorial Friday, January 28th and Saturday, January 29th at the Nutter Fieldhouse in Lexington, Kentucky. Men's volleyball is at the Battle of the Bigs tournament in California on Friday the 28th and Saturday the 29th against Long Beach State at 9 p.m. on ESPN+, and against UC Santa Barbara at 10 p.m. on Saturday, also on ESPN+. The women's hockey team, Ohio State, tied for third in the nation, hosts number 2 Minnesota on Friday, January 28th at 6 p.m., and Saturday, January 29th at 3 p.m. Tyler and I will both be on the call for that. Tyler with Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio and myself on Big Ten Network Plus. You can watch and listen on Big Ten Network Plus and Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. Minnesota 19-6-1, their record 14-5-1 in the conference. And they're coming off a heck of a series last weekend 
against number one Wisconsin, in which they swept the Badgers at home two to one and four to three. That's the first time Wisconsin has been swept, period, since 2018, Caleb. So you know that Minnesota, they played two games of their season right there in the Battle of the Border, as they call it up north. Minnesota, they're a tough team. They're led by Taylor Heisey. She's one of the top scorers in the country. She's third in the nation, first in the WCHA. Right behind her, Ohio State defender Sophie Jakes. This is going to be a really, really an interesting game. It's, it's going to be something that when you take a look at it, it, it'll bring you a little bit of everything. That Minnesota Duluth series last weekend for Ohio State was huge, but this one has a lot bigger implications for the point percentage standings in the WCHA. Yeah, we know how well Sophie Jakes is, but I mean, if you're looking at Jen Gardner, 12, 22, and 34, an impressive line there. We saw how we saw the turnout is really what I'm especially excited to see because we saw how many people showed up for UMD last weekend, and it was number eight, the Bulldogs, hosting or against number two, Ohio State. Now you get number two, Minnesota. So a, a series that's even closer in the top 10, now moving up to a top five matchup. And then Wisconsin just two weeks out from this. So I'm expecting to see a lot of Buckeye turnout for these. You saw how well UMD traveled last weekend. I expect there to be plenty of burgundy and gold in the stands for Minnesota. It's just going to be an electric two-game series uh, over this weekend at the OSU Ice Rink. I'm glad you mentioned the OSU Ice Rink and the overall environment of the ice arena because it's a very, very quirky ice arena compared to a lot of the other big venues in the Big Ten, especially for top-ranked teams. And according to The Rink Live, a hockey site covering college hockey, Jess Myers interviewed Minnesota, their team, and hockey coach Brad Frost, and they talked about what the OSU ice rink brings out in their team. Well, it's a very intimidating place to play because it's got the low ceilings, the one-sided bleachers. We talk about this all the time. It's not the most ideal venue for Ohio State hockey, but it's a tough place to play because it's got that community feel. Minnesota, they go from Raider Ice Arena when you've got an encapsulated, beautiful coliseum-like of an ice rink and you go to the OSU ice rink when it's a lot more cozy. And that's got its pros and its cons for Ohio State. You want to have a big venue, but you're going to get a good turnout. You're going to get a couple thousand people, for, especially for a series like this. And I thought this was such an interesting storyline because Minnesota, they talked about the fact that it can be very distracting. If you're not used to these community-style-like arenas that these players grew up playing, and then they go from that to those big ice rinks, those big ice arenas when it's a stadium-like feel. It's a huge swing, and that's what poses a big disadvantage for Ohio State opponents. And Minnesota, they shined a light on that this week in talking about the OSU ice rink. So I thought that was a really interesting narrative that I thought I'd bring up on the show because that's a really compelling counter-argument to what teams think coming into Columbus, and it's going to be an interesting thing to see how the ice rink plays out 
as a third-party factor in this weekend series. Yeah, I mean, if a team is as high-ranked as number two Minnesota, if they notice it, you know that other teams do too. I'll admit, maybe I'm one of the first to admit that I hadn't thought about how different that is from the usual bigger arenas that these that these big programs play before they come to Columbus. But, I mean, really, Tyler, at the, at the end of the day, though, it's a rink. I've got to imagine... Imagine how much how much more attendance you could expect for this series if women's hockey was playing in St. John. You would have that bowl full. You would bring in so much off of that. And of course they they have free tickets for women's hockey, but I think you could really make the women's hockey team a staple of this campus. You see how people are feeding into women's basketball when you make it a big spectacle, when you're hosting Michigan, yes, but when you really just publicize that hey, this women's team is really good. Come watch them. If you start to put that same amount of emphasis on the women's hockey team and you give them a bigger arena to house a, a knuckle box section more than just three rows of bleachers on one side of the arena, I think you really start to see this become a staple in here. And women's hockey, one of the only sports on campus who's not Big Ten, so they're not bringing in that conference draw for UMD, okay, they're not a Big Ten staple here. Most people around campus, I don't think they know who Minnesota State or St. Cloud State or some of the Bemidji State, for goodness. So they don't want to come to these because they don't know the team. If you start getting them on a Big Ten schedule, bringing in powerhouses, and I know we have Minnesota and Wisconsin, two Big Ten staples, but if you start bringing in audience with a bigger venue and notable teams, I think you really see women's hockey become a figurehead of this campus. I think these next two weekends of the homestand, Minnesota, and then a couple weeks later, Wisconsin, are huge for that because these are really the first time, Caleb, that Ohio State, the women's hockey program, they're having these big 10 blue bloods. Minnesota, they've won four national championships under Coach Frost. They're an incredible program. Ohio State, they're kind of the challenger to Minnesota's champion. So they can play spoiler here. They can move back up the rankings. And I think that if Ohio State, if they get a series sweep right here, even if they split, I think that does numbers for the program. This is going to be a, a serious stretch of games for Ohio State women's hockey. And again, playing in OSU ice rink, ice rink rather, not ice arena, I really expect the, the few bleachers that we have in that arena to be filled to capacity with both Buckeyes and Gophers. The men's team is in Penn State, number 12 Ohio State versus the Nittany Lions on Friday, January 28th and Saturday, January 29th. Both of those with a 7 p.m. scheduled puck drop. You can watch those on Big Ten Network Plus and listen on OSU Radio. Penn State was swept by the Buckeyes earlier in Columbus, November 5th and 6th. They're led by junior forward Kevin Wall, who has a team-high 14 goals and 25 points. We saw how Ohio State fared last weekend against Drew DeRitter. You were the first one to mention last weekend his size, DeRitter 5'11". The only other one who stands at that size is Solier, one of the goalies for uh, Penn State. It's unclear if we'll see him play over Oscar Otto. We don't know how that rotation will be. The lines have yet to be announced for, t for tonight and tomorrow's games. But you've got to imagine Penn State looks up at what Michigan State did on the road against Ohio State. They see the, the negative effects of starting a smaller goaltender in the net, and no doubt they're going to try to shy away from that, I would expect. And I think Ohio State's going to bring the same thing to their game plan that they did last week. They're going to really crowd the slot, screen the goaltender, put pressure on Soulier, 
and that's going to do numbers. You're going to find the back of the net eventually when you put him on net. And Soulier, this is no knock to him, but he's not really to the same ability and tier as Drew DeRitter. Soulier is young, though, so he's got tons of potential, and he showed that and has shown that this season. But here's another thing. Fans. Pagula Ice Arena is a notorious place for a high-octane environment. They call it Hockey Valley. They bring out a big showing of students. So how Ohio State fares themselves in a tough environment is really going to indicate what they can do for weeks on end when they face Wisconsin at home, when they face Minnesota. This is the end of a grueling four-game road trip. So for them to go to East Lansing and to State College with a couple of victories under their belt is big. And I think that's going to run through their versatility. This is going to be one of those series, Caleb, where Penn State, they're going to be looking for revenge because they were the number 17th team in the country when Ohio State swept them in Columbus. So they've got vengeance on their mind. Ohio State, they're just trying to sustain. They're tied for number one of the Big Ten. They're having one of the most surprising seasons in a Big Ten hockey campaign so far, looking to try and complete that as we roll along here through January, February, and March. And I think that's where they're going to have to really bring a lot of versatility, spread the scoring, distributing from side to side, board to board, and utilizing every spot of the sheet to get what they want. That's goals on Soulier or Oscar Otto. Yeah, the Nittany Lions went from 17 to now 14 and 12, a record 5-11 in the conference. That's not something you want, especially something that you didn't expect from uh, the Penn State hockey team going into this series. But the Nittany Lions are coming off a heck of a series. Again, a sweep against Wisconsin at Pagula Ice Arena, 4-1 and 7-2 in those games respectively. I think they wasted their whiteout weekend. I think it should have been this one against Ohio State. You see how great Ohio State's program has been, projected to be bottom in the Big Ten and now tied for first with a, a staple like Michigan in the conference. Just Ohio State's going to be fantastic in this one, I think. But here's the thing that scares me, though, is Ohio State is the favorite on paper. They most likely will come into Happy Valley and ruin everyone's day in navy and white. But... Gustav Westland yesterday at the press conference, and I know you being a Browns fan, you know what happens, and Steelers fans will know this too down in Pennsylvania. Gustav Westland was asked uh, if there's anything that makes Penn State different from the last few times he played him, and he said, paraphrasing here, you'll have to check out the Lantern article to see exactly the quote, but he said, no, they don't change much since I play them, which got me, which brought me eerily similar flashbacks to same old Browns from Juju Smith. And we saw what happened when the Cleveland Browns came in and beat the Steelers after that. So I'm worried that the gods of the press conference may have just given Penn State a chance with that one. You don't want to wake those kind of gods up, and that really hurt the Browns reference. The difference between the Steelers, yeah, you said that they've got those same type of instances too, but they got six Super Bowls to back it up. Anyways, you never know what's going to ha happen, especially in hockey, anything can occur so hopefully Gustav Westland stays true to his hypothesis and we'll see if Ohio State can come through in a two-game tilt in State College well, I mean that didn't that reference didn't hurt me because that was from the Browns golden age which was last year and unfortunately probably ended last year <laughs> <laughs> getting ahead in our show here men's swimming and dive is back versus Cleveland State we talked about an earlier matchup that the women's and men's teams both have 
versus Michigan, but then the men's team have a separate one versus Cleveland State on Saturday, January 29th at noon. Once again at home, the McCorkle Aquatic Pavilion. Men's lacrosse opens up with Marquette. That's still an exhibition. They opened up against Lafayette last weekend. This one Saturday, January 29th at 12 p.m. at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. I'm not sure if they're doing spectators. I think they are. But I would double check before you plan your Saturday around men's lacrosse. Men's tennis is at the ITA kickoff Saturday, January 29th and Sunday, January 30th at Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They'll play Arizona State on Saturday and North Carolina or Northwestern on Sunday. That one's a tournament style, so we won't we're not sure who they'll play. Women's tennis is also at the ITA kickoff, but theirs is in Columbus on Saturday and Sunday, the 29th and the 30th, versus Oklahoma State on Saturday at 10 a.m. And then LSU or Tennessee at some point to be announced on Sunday. The rifle team is at Akron on Sunday, January 30th. Pistol team it goes up against the Citadel at home in Columbus on the 30th as well, Sunday. Number 16 men's basketball is at number 6 Purdue on Sunday, January 20th at 12 p.m. noon. You can watch it on CBS, another big ticket matchup here to close out our weekend. Purdue has won four of their last five. They had a postponement before that. They defeated Iowa last night, 83-73. to But this is the big thing, Zach Eady. We saw how Wisconsin fared with the Buckeyes, a team that's much taller than Ohio State size-wise. Now going up against the 7-4 Eady, Ohio State's going to need a heck of a paint defense performance, especially on offense, they're going to need it, but especially going to have to play one heck of a game in the paint to stop Zach Eady. Not only do you have Zach Eady, but you got Travion Williams. These are two pieces of the front court that make Purdue's bottom of the lineup one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the best. The defense, they're going to have to bring it. But you know what? The same thing goes for offense as it would be if Zach Eady were 6'3 and Travion Williams were 5'11. Attack. Purdue, they've got one of the lesser defenses in the Big Ten. They shoot, they score, they fill it up on the offensive side. But the defensive side, they still have holes. They allow a lot of comebacks to happen. Iowa, they were down big at the half. They were down deep in the double digits on Thursday night. They quickly erased the deficit. And they got it down within low single digits. I believe the lead was as down as four. So Ohio State, given their ability to go on these runs and come back within games as quick as you can snap your fingers, that bodes well for what Ohio State can bring to the table. And I think if you just keep attacking in the post with Zed Key, who had a great performance against Minnesota and was backing down defenders and using some finesse to get it off the glass and down, Liddell and Branham, these guys to come up big, I think Ohio State, they're in this matchup a lot more than people think. Yeah, typically when you see a smaller opponent matchup against a taller one, you see a lot of fancy moves at the at the rim, a lot of flips and tricks. But in case we don't see that, and you really need your flips and tricks fix, women's gymnastics hosts Rutgers on Saturday on Sunday, rather January thirtieth at five p.m. at the Cavelli Center. Crown me king of transitions, Tyler. I mean, that was good. 
There's a reason why they call you Caleb Smooth Operator Spinner. I've never been called that before, but I would not mind if that stuck. See, that's, I, I where, say, that's where you say that you have been called that before. Just go along with it. No, but then every one of my friends knows that Soupy is the nickname. That is true. They know that, stemming from the middle name here. Make sure you're following at State of Mind OSU on Twitter. The link to our Twitter account is in the description below. We'll be posting accurate showtimes and also the advertisement for tomorrow's release at 10 a.m of Behind the Buckeye with Caleb Romero. We're sitting down with him in the studio later today on Friday to get a chat with him, uh, catching up with him for the first time since high school, Tyler. It's been five years, actually, since I've been in the same room as him, so this will be exciting. You can listen to that on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Once again, 10 a.m. release tomorrow, January 29th. Make sure you're tuning into that one. Also, question of the day. Which conference basketball game, aside from Purdue, do you think is the biggest for men's basketball going forward? We know there are plenty, but which one do you think is the most challenging for the Buckeyes? That'll do it for us until Monday. For Tyler Danberg, I'm Caleb Spinner. That's the show. We're out of here.